Hello, podcaster. It's Charlie here from the Business of Podcasting. And in today's episode, I am joined by Dave Jackson. Yes, the Dave Jackson of School of Podcasting, the Podcasting Hall of Famer, and one of the absolute originals. And I'm going to say it, I'm going to go as far to say that podcasting wouldn't be the industry it is today if it wasn't for Dave. And really, when you think about it, he's been doing this since 2005, and he has many of stories of trying to explain to people what podcasting is. Yes, I think we take for absolute granted that is this common term and knowledge now, and it is the industry it is today. But without people like Dave, it just wouldn't be that way. Now, this episode, we have broken into two parts. And the reason for that is I started recording with Dave. And you know me, I like to keep my episodes ideally closer to that 30 minute mark, but we went way, way over and I didn't want to stop at all. There was so many nuggets of gold and so many ideas and things that I think you'll find super valuable for helping you with your show. So we've broken this into two parts. So part one is just understanding a bit about Dave, his views on what's working and not working on podcast, as well as some things you can do to have a lot more successes in your show and avoid some pretty big failures. I mean, he really, really highlights some of the views we share, as well as things you can do today to really I suppose, hit the audience in a much stronger way. In part two, Dave has a new book coming out which purely focuses on monetization. So the way these work is the second part of this episode is going to be completely focused on monetization methods and just different ways to think about monetization. And I'll admit it here, there's so many ways of monetizing your podcast that I hadn't even considered that Dave has been a part of and also had really good experience around and understanding. And this could open up new avenues of revenue for your podcast, as well as just some different ways to think about it in itself. Now, if you haven't already, please make sure you do subscribe to the show and uh, follow along as we do this. So this is part one. Part two will be out within the next week or so. And before you head off or before we head off into this episode, if you haven't already, head over to valormedia.com slash resources and you can pick up all our latest guides and equipment recommendations that will help you have a more successful podcast. So let's head into the episode. I know you're going to enjoy this one. Welcome to the show, Dave. How are you doing? Charlie, I'm glad to be here, man. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, me too. We have been going back and forth sharing podcasting stories, I reckon, for about the last 30 minutes. And I actually um, have some slight regret that I didn't just hit record because I think there was actually some really valuable content sitting in there. Now, you're a guy who needs uh, no introduction, even though I've done one prior to this recording actually starting here. But I was just so excited to have you on the show because you are someone that I would consider one of the originals, the pioneers who's kind of made podcasting what it is today. So the first question I'm dying to know the answer to is when you first got into podcasting, did you think it was headed on the path to become what it is today? I actually did, and, and here's why. I when I started, I just gone through like a horrible year. So I was I was divorced, bankrupt, and living in my brother's basement. So it had not been a great year. And a friend of mine told me about podcasting. I pieces parted one together, and I'm in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. The the city's actually Mogador. Nobody's ever heard of it. It's me and cows and just nothing. And I started this podcast for musicians. I put it out, and I'm going to say within a couple weeks. 
I got a voicemail from this guy named Michael Van Lahr. And I remember he's like, hello, Dave, this is Michael Van Lahr from Nuremberg, Germany. And I hit stop. And my brother was there. I go, did he say Nuremberg, Germany? I hit play again. Hello, Dave, this is Michael. And I was like, I just kept hitting. I'm like, this guy's on the other side of the, wait, what? And then not only did he find my show, but he liked it. And I was just like, okay, give me my flag. I'm going to plant it right here because this is kind of geeky. And, and my background's in technical education. It's creative and I'm a musician, so I can do whatever I want. And I get to help people. And I was like, this scratches every itch I had. And I just thought if we could, you know, the fact that there was no FCC here in the state, so you could say whatever you wanted and do whatever you wanted. I was like, this is going to be huge. It's just a matter of it's got to make it easy. Because back then, I remember I Googled podcasting when my friend told me about it. And there was one and a half pages of results. And I was like, I think we broke the Internet because there's usually you know, much, many more pages. And it took me a while to figure out how to make one. But I just thought, boy, if this, if this catches on, this is going to be huge. So it's been fun to just kind of watch, but that was, it's all Michael Van Lars fault. That's, that's the guy that I was like, Oh, wait a minute. This is because you read about it and you're like, okay, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's global. And you're like, okay, yeah, global, schmobile, whatever. And then you get a voicemail from a guy across the the earth and you're like, Oh wait, this, this, okay. Wow. So yeah, that's, that's what got me going. So for context, what year was this when that happened? Uh, 2005. Wow, so uh, we're right back there. Yeah, I started listening in the end of 2004, and I'd been doing a newsletter for musicians. And this friend of mine had come back from a big marketing conference, and and again, tells you how long ago it was. He goes, do you know how you missed the MySpace boat, which I had? And I go, yeah, yeah, don't, don't rub it in. And he goes, all right, the next big thing is podcasting. And I, just, I said, what's a podcasting? And he's like, no. And I Googled it and it was like, holy cow. And at the time, everybody was saying that membership sites and now podcasting was going to be this next big thing. And so I'm in this weird part of my life. I'm trying to get myself back on track financially. And I just seen so many great ideas over the years and imposter syndrome would kick in. You're like, ah, nobody would do that for me. And I was like, you know what? I'm actually going to try this. If, if every expert is saying membership sites and podcasting, I'm going to make a membership site about podcasting and see what happens. And so I did. And the, the first three years were brutal because this was before the iPod even, before iTunes. And you're going up to people and you're saying, hey, do you listen to podcasts? And they're like, what's a podcast? I mean, that was everybody. What's a podcast? And then you'd explain it to them and they'd go, no, I don't do that. So it was just brutal. So that's where I started uh for a while I was editing people's audio because people would start a podcast and they're like, I just want to talk into the microphone. So the the first couple of years especially were just like, eesh. but that's when the the first wave of podcasters were all geeky people. That's where the This Week in Tech and Leo Laporte and things like that, because you needed to be a geek to to start a podcast. And then once the iPod came out and iTunes and Apple came on board and things like that, it started getting easier. And then just over the years, it's getting easier and easier. And now it's great because Zoom just came out with this cool little portable recorder that allows you to record four tracks, do mix minus with your phone or USB for $200 US. And I was like, that's crazy. And so things are getting super easy and more and more affordable every year. So it's again, I sit back and go, oh, this is just going to pour gas on that fire. So it'll be fun to see where it ends up. 
It's one of the things I actually laugh a lot at these days. I'm actually a former musician myself. I used to play in bands and I look at the equipment I have in front of me and we used to have to hire studios for a whole day to have something that was like half as good. And I mean half as good, not even close. And I look at it now that, you know, you can really create a setup, like you said, like that's a high quality recorder with mix minus for $200. And I'll just go, yeah, we would have jumped at that. (laughs) On the fact that I don't have to explain what mix minus is anymore. Cause just that was like the biggest hurdle. You're like, well, it's, it's the sound of you and your guest, but you don't want the guest going back echo. And you just see people's eyes rolling in the back of their head. And you're just like, Oh, hold on. But on the other hand, because it wasn't super easy, that made my service, it wasn't hard to then charge more for that because it was people like, I don't understand this at all. And I'm like, well, I, I've been doing this for three years already. Okay, I'll hire you to, to help me with it. So it kind of helped. But on the other hand, it then at that point, it was still not that easy to listen. So that has also gotten much easier. So, so let's go. Thankfully. Let's go back to that then. You're in 2005 and you've got you've really identified early a big wave. I, I'm, I actually do question if you could see how big it was. Like I'd be like, this is a monster of a wave that's caught on. But anyhow, you, you've identified this and you're like, this is going somewhere and I think this train is only still getting started. The first few years are, are kind of difficult because you haven't got that adoption to like it's mainstream. Like everyone knows what a podcast is now. When did podcasting start to really take traction? Because I admit I was like 2013 before I really got into it in 2014, but that's years away yeah. from 2005. The the big first big, when people talk about hockey stick growth was when Apple uh, created iTunes and put podcasts in iTunes. That's when all of a sudden your download numbers just went, whew, and you're like, whoa, this is awesome. This is great. That was the first one. Then when the iPhone came out, because the iPod was connected via cable. It was cool. You would you would fire it up, you'd plug it in, and as soon as you plugged it in, it would fire up iTunes. iTunes would go out, check all your feeds, download the latest episodes, and then sync them with the iPod. So you could basically just put your iPod on a cable, go take a shower and come back, and you're ready to put it in the car and off you go. But if you ran out of podcasts, which back then there weren't that many, and you'd be like, oh, I got to go home and resync. When the iPhone came out, and they put Apple Podcast as a native. That was another one that gave us uh, quite the bump. And then just over the years, different, like the tech guys were first, and then language podcasts took off because people were wanting to learn English as a second language or vice versa. Those had a bit of a wave. And then, of course, when Serial came along, that's really when when I had like six people in a week say, hey, have you heard Serial yet? And I was like, okay, I need to go listen to this thing. And then uh, there's a popular comedy show here in the U.S. called Saturday Night Live. And when they did a parody of it, I was like, okay, this is a new, like this is, you know, and you started hearing people say podcast on TV shows. And I was like, then they weren't explaining it because they'd say something like, oh, podcast. Oh, it's like an internet radio show. And all of a sudden they just said, oh, it's on my podcast or we should start a podcast. I'm like, they're not explaining what it is anymore. So over the years, you've just kind of seen it these little bumps and and now it's every other show they're talking about a podcast and there's one in the I think it just got canceled but there was one um called God friended me and the lead character was a podcast guy and he was an atheist but God did this weird Facebook thing but the whole thing which is always fun cuz as a a podcaster you're like okay 
He's talking into the back. The microphone is not plugged in. You're just picking apart all the, the details. But uh, oh, come, oh, come on, you laugh now when you see someone using a Yeti and they've got it faced oh, yeah. the wrong way. And I'm like, Tom Hanks days. was on a U- Tom Hanks was on a YouTube channel doing a, uh, a reunion of the movie Splash, and he was talking into the top of it. I'm like, come on, America's dad! Like somebody help Tom out, would you? Dog on it. But uh, yeah, so all the years it's just been kind of growing and growing and. You know, you get more people popping in, and uh, it's just been fun to watch. See, your journey really strikes me as interesting as you, you got into podcasting yourself, and then along that way, being you were so early on, as you, you became the guy for many people, including myself, where it's like, oh, Dave, like, how do you make a podcast? Like, how, how do you do this? How do you edit it? How do you make a good show? And, like, that's really turned into something you become quite a specialist at with School of Podcasting and everything uh, that goes alongside with that, which we will talk about, something new and exciting you have coming out. Uh, it's a hint. It goes on a shelf and you keep them in libraries. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's got something cool coming out. But where I'd really like to take this conversation from here is that you're someone that's got such an interesting view, not only from within your own show, but how many shows you've been able to, I suppose, see inside from, from either people that are in your membership or uh, clients of yours for consulting or a whole bunch of things. And what I'd really love your perspective on is over the years, what are the things you've seen or traits or characteristics within shows or businesses that have made a successful podcast versus the ones that have this faded away or pod faded into abyss? Yeah, there are a couple things. Number one, it all starts with knowing who your audience is. That really, the the more clearer a picture you have, the better. And that's where some people are like, I don't have an audience. And what I like to do is go to Amazon and I'll type a topic that my podcast is supposed to be about, find a book and look for the three-star reviews and the two-star reviews. Because a three-star review is like, hey, you know what? This wasn't bad, but it was missing this one thing. And you'll get a detailed review versus a one-star, which is like horrible, awful junk. And a four-star was like, this is the best thing ever. Like two and three-star reviews that they actually get a little critical. So you can kind of know ahead of time, okay, this is what people are, are looking for. So that's really part of it. And then some of it is like hyper niche shows. Like my favorite, I had a guy on my show that breeds chameleons. So that's that little lizard thing. And he had a show and he had a manufacturer. His whole thing was he made cages for chameleons. It was called the chameleon breeder. So he's breeding chameleons. And he, his manufacturer actually came to him and said, Hey, like, can you quit talking about the cages so much? Because we can't keep up. And he was actually going to do that. And I said, no, my friend, you either A, get a different manufacturer or add a second one because this is working. So, but he's never going to get, you know, 10,000 downloads because it's chameleon breeding. You know, you have people like um, Lee Silverstein does a show. uh, It's now called We Have Cancer. Originally, it was called the Colon Cancer Podcast. And uh, Haley Radke does Adoptees On, which is all about, uh, it's for people that have been adopted. And I never realized that there are people that have been adopted, they spend years finding their biological parents only to be rejected again. And I was like, that just makes me want to, like that takes the wind out of me when I think about it. I'm a little bit sad now just hearing that. Yeah, thanks for bringing the show down, Dave. (laughs) But the only people that understand what that's like are other adoptees. So you, you get into these situations where I had one woman 
on my show whose name is escaping me. I want to say Isabella, maybe, but she does a show called uh, Living with Herpes. And as you might imagine, not really something you're going to talk about on holidays with the family. Hey, Uncle Joe, have you ever had the clap? You know, it just usually doesn't come up in conversations. And so, again, she found an audience and she called it uh, a double secret probation Facebook group that people could talk about, no judgment, things like that. So that's, I guess, another characteristic I, I seem to see is people not only have a podcast, but they create a, a community, whether it's in Facebook or something like Mighty Networks or there are other platforms now that are coming out where you can not only talk to your audience, but get them talking to each other because that leads to understanding what interests them, which leads to then better episodes, which leads to people sharing it, which leads to people joining the Facebook group, and you just get this spiral going. And so that's that's part of it, knowing who your audience is. I think niche podcasts work well. Uh, I have an example. Um, there was a woman I worked with. She did a show called Special Mouse, and her uh, son was pretty high on the autism spectrum, but she loved Disney. So she started a, a show called Special Mouse, and it was all about taking people with special needs to amusement parks. And I mean, she was an expert. She knew every kind of legal law that the parks had to follow and how to get around and things like that. And she never had a huge audience, but she was able to get a sponsor. Why? Because she found somebody who specialized in transporting people to amusement parks with special needs. So it's not always about, oh, I need 10,000 downloads to, to get a sponsor. It's a matter of finding the right partner, to maybe amplify your message, or maybe they have a message that you want to amplify, things like that. So it's, uh, and then the other thing is those people don't quit. They're, they're doing things. If we, we think about the Special Mouse Show and Lee Silverstein and all these people, they're very passionate about their topic. And so what doesn't work are the people that contact me every January and say, I want to start a podcast and quit my day job in six weeks. And I just go, hey, thanks so much for contacting me. Not going to happen in six weeks. I can I can walk you through some steps. But uh, that's something I actually did this year that I wish I would have done uh, like 10 years ago is I did an episode that said, hey, if this is you, if you're going to contact me and say I want to quit my job in six weeks, it's just not going to happen. And I really thought I would have people push back because I said uh, uh, sometimes I'll say, you know, you're going to have to pay for a media host. And that's $15, maybe $20 a month. And if $15 or $20 a month is going to break your your budget, you don't need a podcast. You need a job. And I said, I can say that because I've I've there's there's broke and there's poor. I was broke at one point in my life. And I said, so I understand when $15 will break the budget. And I said, and if that's you podcasting is not where you want to go. You want to go deliver some pizzas, dig yourself out of your hole and then come back and, and do podcasting. It's really interesting what you say there about staying, or I call it staying. You may call it stick rate or uh, just the ability to remain in a niche for longevity. I'd be yeah. curious to dig a little bit deeper into that one to almost say like when, when you look at all the podcasts you've worked with, and I get this question all the time and I'm at times going, oh, I wonder how Dave's going to answer this one. How long does someone need to stick at podcasting before it can be something that you would say has enough traction where someone it can be their full-time gig or perhaps it's a, a big source of leads for their business or something like that? Nobody likes this answer. And it's one of those things, have you ever bought like a new car and it's a, a blue whatever and all of a sudden you drive around and everywhere you see 
you see that type of car. It just seems like they come out of the woodwork. So I was at an event and somebody asked that question. There was somebody that was doing podcasting for, for a living. And somebody said, how long did it take you to really start making a difference? And he said, about three years. And I was like, that's interesting. That's what I was going to guess. And ever since then, when I hear somebody talk that's doing this for a living, the answer is three years. In fact, I, I actually have a uh, project I'm working on right now. Every time I hear that, I grab that clip and I put it in a folder. And eventually when I get enough of these, I'm going to say, here's like six people saying three years. And I think part of that is the first year you're trying to figure out what the heck is a podcast. You're getting confident behind the microphone. You're figuring out what your audience really wants. By the second year, you've got that figured out and you're starting to build some momentum. You're growing your audience. They're telling their friends and you've got that part going. And by the third year, now you've actually got an engaged audience that's willing to do whatever the heck you want them to do, whether that's buy a product, you know, advertising, affiliate marketing, donate to a Patreon, things like that. And so uh, it's not to say that people can't do it quicker, but even uh, I, I know John Lee Dumas, he's a friend of mine and people go, ah, John Lee Dumas, six months, he had his first sponsor. I go six months of a daily show. If John was doing a weekly show, guess what that would be? You guessed it. 2.6 years. So it's like, that's round that up. What do you got? Three years. So it's one of those things where it just takes time. And uh, we all want to just talk into a microphone and get a hundred million dollars like Joe Rogan. And it just doesn't happen that way. Well, it's, fun it's funny you mentioned that. We actually had John uh, on the show not long ago. And I asked yeah. him that question and, and his answer was quite surprising. He's saying, you couldn't do what I did today. It's like one idea existed in a limited window because no one else was doing it. And he goes, well, I've had copycats. And, he, and he, I'm sure he'll be fine with me saying this because he said it on the pre previous episode. Yeah. But he very much acknowledged the opportunity he had that he you know, quite clearly took advantage of. But his recommendation was that if you're going to do something in podcasting today is to go micro niche. It's to go into the areas you've referenced of like find that super passionate audience that has money and really lean into creating a great show for them. That's a great point. I My first podcast was for musicians. Those people didn't have any money. And I mean like zero. Not like there's a reason they're called starving artists. And so, yeah, John, when he hit, he wasn't the first daily podcast, but he was the first daily entrepreneur podcast. And those people just ate it up. And another great thing about John is when you meet John, what you hear on the mic is what you get. When I see him, he's like, DJ, I am stoked to see you. What's up, buddy? And it's just I'm like, wow, that's you sound like Johnny Dumas when you do that. And I think I lost track. At one point, I had a spreadsheet. A friend of mine and I were just like, oh, my God, it's librarians on fire. And then it was, you know, janitors on fire and, you know, whatever. And we're just and I think there, I think we lost track at like 67 on fire shows. And we're like, do you really think that's the one thing that's going to put you over the top? If I just put on fire at the end of my show you know, money will fall from heaven. And it's just like, and I had somebody interview me once and not only was he, shall we say, inspired by John, he was doing a show. And by that, I mean, he was doing a show. Like, tell me about an aha moment. Tell me about, and when he got to like question three, I, I said, I don't mean to be rude, but I'm like, you do know you're doing John's show, right? And he's like, no, I'm not. And I was like, okay. And then he went to the next question and it was, and I was like, okay, you know, I'm not going to whatever. So, and it just doesn't work. If that was the case, I'll date myself. If all you had to do was 
mimic somebody else, then in the 60s, everybody would have put on wigs and been the Beatles and everybody would, you know, put on a jumpsuit and be Elvis. Uh, it's just not that way. And I always tell people you're never going to out John Lee Dumas because it comes to him naturally. And so that's part of it is you have to be yourself because people want to connect with you. And, you know, that's that's why I don't talk like this on the microphone. Hey, everybody, what's going on? Because I don't talk like that in real life. And I think the the biggest compliment I've ever received is I met uh, somebody at an event that, and they came up and they they said, well, wow, I listen to your show and yada, yada, yada. And we kind of hung out during the evening and they said, you know, what's really nice. And I said, what? And they go, you're exactly like you are on your podcast when I'm just sitting here talking across the table. And I'm like, that is perfect because I don't want to be different on the microphone. I don't want to have the situation where you meet and you're like, yeah, I met Dave Jackson, but I don't know, he's kind of a jerk or whatever that's different on, on the microphone. Oh, that's so interesting. I mean, even just to back that up in further, the clients we manage at uh, Valor Media, the most successful shows undoubtedly are micro-niche shows. They're really well-defined audiences. And then to go even deeper, serving them uniquely, even if they're in a niche that maybe is the same as John Lee Dumas. I'm making this up, but it's like they wouldn't do the same content John uh, does. It's completely different approaches and topics and their ways yeah. of interpreting it again, which just makes it such an interesting point from there. Now, I'm curious about this. You've mentioned that like copycats isn't working. Like you, I believe the same, like modeling someone else's show to the point where they're doing it or you're replicating it is, is probably to your detriment. How do you think about creating new content or different content? Do you draw ideas from other niches? How do you stand out in podcasting today? That is the tough part. And, and some people will say, well, you're already standing out because you're you and you have your background and your experiences. And that's true if you're sharing yourself in your podcast. So I always say if you like if I'm going to make a point, I'm going to try to come up with a story from my personal life that's going to help illustrate that point. So I remember once I did an episode on how when you first start off, you're not going to have any listeners. You'll have maybe 28 if your cousins listen. And I said, but that's why you need to have uh, passion when you start off, because when you first start off, you're not going to have an audience. And I said, let me give an example. I said, I have, at the time I was married, I had a stepson that was 16. And every time I saw that kid, all he said was, can we go driving? Can we go driving? Because he was trying to get his temps and then his, his driver's license. And I said, so you need to have the passion of a 16-year-old trying to get their license when you start this up, because it's never ending. That's all you want to do. I said, so if all you want to do is talk about your subject, regardless of who's listening, then do that. And I had so many people in my audience that emailed me and said, oh man, I have one of those too. You know, my daughter almost killed me last week. I thought she was going to turn into a building and things like that. I shared a story once. Uh, Muhammad Ali was a guy that for me was just more than a boxer. And growing up, uh, I'm 55. When I was growing up, he was like champ forever. He was just, he was always the champ. And so I've read many books about him. And so when he died, he was kind of one of my heroes. And it was really bummed me out. And because I knew so many things about him, I said, here are like 10 things that every podcaster can learn from Muhammad Ali. And I went through like, here's a guy that was great with marketing. He stood out. He spoke his mind. He was brave to say what was on his mind, et cetera, et cetera. And I had, again, my audience kind of reached out to me and said, he was my champ too. I, I'm really bummed. And so you then have these side conversations where you get to better understand your audience and better connect with them. So that's one of the things that I try to do to kind of stand out. And then it's kind of cliche, but for me, 
I just follow my heart. If I want to do something and I think it's entertaining and I think it's going to be funny or something like, I will just do it. Like I started off years ago and I just did it because I, I was not having a good day behind the mic. And it was just blooper after blooper. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to save these over here and I'm going to put them at the end. And I just did it. I was like, oh, this will be kind of, this will kind of sound kind of funny. So I did the outro music and it fades out. And then here I come just tripping over my tongue left and right. And I had so many people like, oh my gosh, that was awesome. And I was like, really? And they're like, we thought you were perfect. And I'm like, oh, far from it. I go, I make mistakes all the time. So consequently, if I get on a roll and I'm bloopering all over the place, I always put those at the end. And there was a voice in my head that said, but Dave, you know, this, this is your brand. You're supposed to be professional and you're supposed to come across as, you know, some, I was like, you know what, to me, it's funny, it's entertaining. And it gets people to listen to the end because if you make it there once I have people like, Hey, no bloopers this week. And I know that means they listen to the very end. So it's kind of a weird, I didn't do it that way. It's like, Hey, I'll, I'll, that'll get them to listen to the end. But I, I try to do that, but it is hard. Cause I mean, if, if there was a show on your subject, well, there's probably already somebody that's doing a lightning round and there's already somebody doing interviews and somebody's doing that. But on the other hand, if you look at TV, every night there's a prime minister and a president and a dictator and somebody somewhere. And there's like 17 stations all talking about the same thing. And they seem to be OK. And that's, I think, where that persistence comes through, because it is going to take a while for for people to to find you. It's an interesting one. I've just thrown two questions at you that I get all the time. And I feel like there's some of the harder ones to answer is like, you know, how long does it take? And then the other one is like, how do I be different? And uh, it was very interesting hearing your uh, points and ideas behind that. And I love the news one particularly because some niches in podcasting really feel like they've got an advantage. Like there's always something new happening to talk about where some feel like it, things don't change as fast. So topics can be well, harder to come by. And another great, going back to John Lee Dumas, when he first came out, you know, I'll be the first to say, I was like, hey, hey, wait a minute, I've been podcasting lower than this guy. And here he goes, just right by me. And I was like, and people were like, well, why am I not getting the same results? I'm doing the same thing he's doing. Why am I not doing it? And I'm like, well, tell me, like, tell me about yourself. Oh, well, I, I'm married. I've got three kids. Uh, I, I teach soccer for my, uh, my son. And, uh, I, you know, I, I have a job, but I also have a side hustle that I, I work at this convenience store. And I'm like, okay, great. And I'm like, okay, John doesn't have any kids. Uh, John doesn't have a job. Um, he, he was in the army. He's got tons of money in the bank and, um, he promotes his show all the time. Can you do that? Well, no. Cause I've got, you know, I got to go to work. Okay. So, and I always just say, if you go to a golf course, there's the there's two sets of tees, right? There's the men's tees and the women's tees, and not by any means saying that John Lee Dumas hits from the women's tees, but he is hitting from a different set of tees. So you're comparing apples to oranges. If John had, you know, a minivan and three kids and soccer practice and a job and things like that, then it would be an even, you know, field, but it's not. So Focus on your audience, make great content, do your best to make it easy to share. And eventually you might catch up with him because he might slow down or, you know, it's same thing when people go, well, there's already somebody doing a show like that. And that's like a kid right now that's 17 in high school and he wants to play American football and goes, I would, but, you know, Tom Brady is already playing. Well, Tom Brady is eventually going to retire. And so somebody's going to have to fill that guy's shoes. So, 
you know, James Schrenko is not going to podcast forever. Somebody's going to have to fill his shoes. John Lee Dumas eventually will, he's, he's gone from daily now to weekly. So what are the other entrepreneurs listening the other five days? So don't give up. And if you love the topic and, and it inspires you, keep doing it. So, but also keep in mind that when, when people say, I see this in Facebook groups all the time, you know what? I hate to brag, but we hit a milestone. We have 50,000 downloads. They never say, I've been podcasting for nine years. That's never in there. Or I, I do a daily show and I've been doing it for 11 years. It's always like I hit the milestone. And then there's that person that just started that looks at that and goes, I'm getting 32 downloads an episode. I must really stink. And I'm like, nah, you're, you're, you know, when you compare yourself to others, I'm doing that right now. I, I just put a Facebook post out that I said, you know, I'm going to be honest here. And again, I know this isn't maybe the most professional thing, but I'm going to peel back the curtain. It's starting to bug me a little bit when I see, and I'm going to put up air quotes here, uh, consultants that have been podcasting for seven episodes and they're now getting clients and I get to clean up the mess. And I go, it just seems like every time I turn around, everybody's a podcast consultant. By all means, I don't own the space. But I, there's a part of me, my, the thing that really bugged me, the one that really made me post this was there was a podcast consultant that doesn't have a podcast. And I said, how do you go to a driving instructor that doesn't have a car? And I go, that's the part that made me scratch my head. And it was interesting because all my other friends who are also podcast consultants said, okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one. So just again, sometimes being vulnerable and peeling back the curtain, I also think help you grow your audience. Uh, there's a great example. If you uh, Google Howard Stern and Stephen Colbert from uh, CBS and Howard, number one, knew his guest, knew the story and knew that Stephen Colbert's brother and father were killed in a plane crash. And I think he actually lost maybe two brothers, a, a bunch of family members. And so all of a sudden Howard out of nowhere hits him. He's like, do you think you're a comedian because you spent a big chunk of your life trying to make your mom happy or laugh because of your the the plane crash? And Stephen Colbert goes, oh, holy cow, Howard, what a question, man. Okay, I guess we're going to go deep, huh? Wow. So what did Howard do? Howard said, well, I can understand that because my mom's a Holocaust survivor, and I spent most of my childhood trying to make my mom laugh because she was depressed because she lost her sister. So Howard pulls back, super vulnerable, explains a part of his life, and then Stephen Colbert then matched his vulnerability and said, well, yeah, I think that was part of it. So I think sometimes if you can, we all want to paint ourselves as the, the perfect person, I think. But when you show your wrinkles, I think people then can identify with you more. And then that, again, builds that relationship. And that's, in the end, is is what podcasting is all about. The relatability is a huge thing there. I, I did have to hold myself for a second there when you mentioned uh, the podcast consultants and courses out there from people that don't have podcasts or seven episodes. We'll give them eight. Maybe they've got eight episodes. Yeah, But I, I am... I'm deeply concerned with as podcasting has gotten bigger and the opportunities become, I suppose, noticeable. Where it kind of was flying under the radar where it's like people are starting to see this and go, hang on, this is a big deal. It inevitably attracts people who see it as well and want to, I suppose, cash in on the opportunity. Yeah, and it's it used to be when there was a new and noteworthy in Apple, you know, people are getting paid four figures 
for the promise of I will get you into new and noteworthy. And I was screaming from the top of my lungs, it doesn't do anything for you. It might get you, you know, 32 downloads more, but it really doesn't do much for you. And people were, you know, just saying, I can do, I'm the person that's going to get you to do this. And, and I see this now where people say things like, I can help you start a podcast and make money from day one. And that is true. There are services that are free that will pay you a sponsorship from day one. Now, nobody says you will make 0.0017 cents per download. So when you do 4,000 downloads, which you're not, you're going to do about 32 uh, when you start out, depending on what the subject is. Uh, so you're going to make, you know, if it's 4,000, you're going to make six bucks. So it's like, have fun, you know, enjoy your ramen noodle. You're not going to feed your family on that. But, you know, I cannot lie and say you can make money from day one. I'm like, well, okay. Yeah, technically that's true. But they're not being, it's, it's like they're not lying, but they're also not really telling all the truth. So I, I'm starting to see, and I, I hope, I hope maybe it's just me being a little more sensitive, but I'm, I'm just seeing more people not only coming into the space, but doing it in kind of a carnival barker way with the, you know, you can make big bucks in podcasting. All you got to do is talk into a mic. And I'm like, mm. you know, I always say starting a podcast is not hard. I mean, I could literally, you know, burp into my phone right now and it could be an Apple by, you know, two days from now. But starting a good podcast takes thought. You have to figure out who is my audience? Why am I doing this? And then what can I talk about that will hold their interest but motivate them to do whatever it is I want them to do to help me achieve my goal. That takes some thought and takes some work and takes some talent, takes some luck. And so I, I am a little worried that people are going to come in and just, it's easy. It's, you know, just talking to a mic and hit record. It doesn't cost you a thing. So I'll be interested to see how that works. I'm curious on your thoughts on this. Being podcasting is such a long game. Okay, and so you've mentioned before the idea of three years is very conceivable on what it might take someone. And sure, there's outliers or ways of doing it quicker, but let's just use that for this example. How do you then discern if your show is a loser? So what if you've picked the wrong show and you're a year in and you're trying to work out, am I, is this is this a dud idea and I shouldn't be going this part? Maybe I haven't cracked it or is this persistence? Like how do you think about that? Because it's something, yeah. I'll be real, I wasted – at least 50 grand and 100 episodes on my first podcast trying to make it work, and it was a terrible idea. But, and I've I got to have you on my show that. to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but it took me a year but, and 50 grand to work that out. And I'm like, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> here's the thing, and this is like, a again, kind of a pet peeve of mine, but I really think this is one of the root causes, and that is it's art. It is to a certain extent. Podcasting is art. I was kind of joking. It's my art, man. Come on. And you don't want to spend four hours making an hour-long podcast to give it to somebody and go, what do you think about this? And have them go, eh, it was all right. And so I don't think most podcasters are really open to honest feedback. And not that I'm the king of all feedback. I'm, I'm probably not your target market in some cases, but... When I hear people say, I'm like, and I will ask them, somebody will say, well, my show's not growing. And I always say, did you get feedback from somebody you're not related to or somebody that you didn't like, did you find your target audience and say, hey, can you listen to this episode and talk about it like I'm not in the room? And I don't know that most podcasters either have the courage or 
I, it just seems that's missing. But yet, if you start a business and it's a restaurant, the first thing you're going to do is get some taste tests and like, did you want this sauce or that? Which one do you like better? Or And you're going to do that. There's a... Uh, a show here in the States, I don't know if you get it over there, called uh, The Profit. And it's this millionaire guy that goes around and helps other businesses. And one of the first things they do is they do a, a focus group. And I don't know that podcasters do that enough. And I, I hear people all the time, oh, I, you know, my friends and family said it was great. And I'm like, mom is always going to say it's great. Come on now. Ooh. So we're going we're gonna to go there. We have to go there, Dave. I, I actually have an, I have an opinion here or a theory. I'll call it an opinion. All it's right. not value, validated, but I actually think that um, this is how I perceive it's kind of rolling out. I think content marketing in general, making podcasts, making videos has gotten way less expensive and way easier. And the access to training has also gotten much easier. So we're, we're not figuring things out like we were 10 years ago. I think the bar has risen and like become so much more accessible to more people. And what's become unfortunate is the standard of content has become incredibly average. So one I think is for most podcasters, they think their content is exceptional. Like their perception of their own content is like, it's amazing. And I think it's extremely average. I think they're stretching for the middle and there's nothing that's making people like, like think of cereal as the example. When that came out, it was like, people were like, oh my God, have you heard this? Like people would call me. We would talk about the podcast. No way. Or like you think of uh, Game of Thrones. I've had dinner plans with someone who cancelled to watch Game of Thrones because they wouldn't miss it. And <laughs> and I'm like, if your content's not having that effect, it's not exceptional. That's it. That That's what I, exceptional is. That's it. When, when I hear something and I'm going to the share button, I do two things. Number one, I figure out how to share it. But another two, I also stop and go, why am I sharing this? What makes this so good that I've gone to the share button? And you're right. And I, I think part of it, I want to blame mainstream media, which I'm not always sure is like on the uh, the side of they want podcasting to succeed. Because if you think, it, I just saw a thing on Netflix and they it was this person that was a podcaster and they're just a Generation X person. And they're just, I don't know, I'm just going to talk into a microphone about blah, blah, blah. And they, they always kind of paint them as this, you know, nerd guy in the basement of his mom's house who's arguing over who's who would win in a fight, Batman versus Superman. And you're like, okay, there, there are other things like that. And I just listened to a podcast. I was, I got hired it was two and a half hours long, so I'm thinking, okay, they think they're Joe Rogan. And they had the curse of knowledge that it was best friends. They were best friends, and the first 15 minutes included them, A, starting off by going, I don't know what episode it is, 48, 7, is it, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> and, you know, they're having a good old time. Meanwhile, I'm like, okay, um, I thought this was a show about coding for computers, but okay. Then they went into... Uh, did you have a uh, nickname in elementary school? And I mean, it just put going on to these weird, uh, do you think our dogs will ever get to meet because of COVID? And to them, that was interesting because they knew each other. They liked each other. And this, but I was like, guys, I'm brand new here. I don't care about any of this stuff. And then the thing that really blew me away is 40 minutes in to the podcast, they finally said, Hey, welcome to the show. I'm so-and-so I'm so-and-so. But then they didn't even explain what the show is about. And then I thought they didn't know what they were going to talk about because they didn't announce it. And then later, about another 20 minutes in, he said, well, that's everything I have on my list. And my head exploded 
because I was like, wait a minute. So you actually did know where you were going? Because that would have been really good about an hour ago to let me know so I could say, oh, you're going to talk about topics A, B, C, and D. Yeah, I'm not really into that. And you would have saved me an hour. And somehow these people think this is fine. And I'm like, no, it's not. You just wasted an hour of my time. And that's when I unsubscribe. And I, I'm with you. I think people, somehow conversation has been, it's getting swapped out for podcast equals conversation, which you kind of want them to be. You don't want it to be an interrogation, but it, it does have to have a purpose. And it goes back again to knowing who is your audience and is, are the words coming out of my mouth delivering value to your audience? And if they're not, you better cut it out in editing because I don't want to waste their time. I, I would, I just really want to emphasize I agree with that point so much. It's yeah, so it's, interesting. It's like the, this persona thing that somehow these conversations are, are valuable. It's like, oh, you're a fly on the wall. But it's like, would you want to be a fly on the wall in that room? Like, not in most not. cases. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it, in the whole, oh, I just want to keep it real. I, we don't edit. And I'm like, you're keeping it real lazy is what you're doing. Because there's a, uh, there's a mountain range here in the States called Mount Rushmore. And I found a picture of it before it was Mount Rushmore. And I did a presentation once where I kind of had the two images blur into each other. And I said, you do realize, uh, I forget what it was called before it was Mount Rushmore. I go, that's just... Mount Rushmore is just this mountain with a little editing. And I go, your podcast can go from not bad to phenomenal if you just do a little editing. My problem when I do interviews, I'm horrible at letting my mouth engage before my brain has figured out what I'm going to ask. So nine times out of 10, I'm cutting myself out where I've I've written down a note to ask a follow-up question. And I do something like, so what you're, you're – wait, so the thing you were, and then I'll finally stop and spit out the question. Well, I cut out that out because I, A, I sound like an idiot. <laughs> and I don't want to sound like an idiot on my own podcast. And I, uh, I, I've i also seen people, especially if you interview people that are interviewed all the time, I could ask Charlie, like, hey, what's your favorite color? And you could say, oh, it's uh, 630. Like, you answered my question, but you didn't answer my question. So you ask them, tell me about a time when you blah, blah, blah. And they just pull their string and go to their answer C that plugs their book or their website or their course or whatever. And if I hear people do that, I just go, yeah, that's not going to make it to my audience. I feel like I'm a goalie and you're, you know, kicking balls at my goal. And if it's, if it's good, I'll let it go by me to my audience. But if it's not, I'm swatting that thing out of here. That's not going to get to my audience. That's almost, a, you've actually referenced a few analogies on here about in podcasting that makes sense with uh, Mount Rushmore, but that one there about the goalie, like the idea of like that's the role you take on as the host. It's what you're letting through and not letting through. I find to be very accurate. I feel like that's the role I take on when we do it. It's like it's conversational, but I've still got to go, oh, hang on, Dave, maybe not. Oh, no, that one's through. Like we, we, we kind of always engage in that type of experience. It just takes one time. I, I do. I started a podcast about weight loss because I thought if I held myself accountable and talked about my weight, I would lose some. And, and I did. And then I found it. And then I lost it. And then I found it. And then I lost it. But I interviewed a woman who was traveling all over the world in, a, in an RV. And she was in the middle of a really hot place. And she would not turn off her air conditioner. And I should have just said, okay, we'll reschedule when you're someplace cooler. 
but I was like, hey, let's just pause for 10 seconds. I'll get a nice sample of your noise and I'll, I'll remove it later because, uh, you know, software's magic. And it did, but she sounded like she was, you know, the, the conversation was done via two cans and some string. It just was horrible. And I was like, yeah, but it, the her content was good, but it really sounded horrible. And so I kind of like clicked on the publish button and there was a part of me that was like, hmm, not sure about this. So, but I went ahead and did it. And sure enough, I went to bed, woke up the next day. And the first email is like, Dave, I don't know what happened, but that sounded horrible. And that's when I was like, never again. I, I just did one, my last episode, I did a mic shootout. And if you ever hear yourself criticizing yourself in your own podcast. So if I do something and I go, oh, I think it was called Oh man, I can't remember it now. Oh, great, great show prep, Dave. If I'm doing that in that, that's me saying this needs to be edited out. So in my last podcast, I did a mic shootout. And I'm I don't particularly like mic shootouts, but my audience loves gear. We all just, oh gear, it's the new shiny thing. And I was doing this and I, I said something like, okay, I'm gonna shut up here and you can hear that there's no hiss. So there's like three seconds of nothing. And I actually said, I know. This is stunning audio. And right there, when I listen back to it later, I'm like, you know what? That's the last mic like shootout. I'll do that on YouTube or something, but I'm not doing that in audio because it was boring. And I just went, listen back, and I was like, I even told myself, hey, this is, this is boring. And I'm like, why are you making boring content? Yes, my audience loves microphones and gear and things like that, but there's got to be another way to do it because in audio, that's not working. It's something you pick up in experience. I think all podcasts is when you get to a point, you've had those moments where you go, I regret publishing that. I shouldn't have done it. And I think you part of what you mentioned earlier about in, was it, I think in the first year you get good at it. And then in the second mm-hmm. year you work out what your audience wants. Like that's certainly part of making sure your podcast uh, goes to a standard. You mentioned something there I want to dig into though. Right now we're recording a video podcast, which is something I imagine you've seen become more popular in recent times as I have. Mm-hmm. Do you think the future of podcasting and YouTube and video is going to merge into one and we're going to see more and more podcasts go video? Or do you think these audio uh, into video things stay stay their lane? I think it depends on – because two talking heads is not that impressive. Uh, so that's that's part of it. And the other thing to keep in mind with video, and this is where it gets kind of weird because technically YouTube is not a podcast. However, there are audience members that will go, oh, I need to go YouTube. My new podcast is out. So if your audience thinks it's a podcast, it's a podcast. In in the same way that if your wife feels that you're neglecting her, even though you can prove that you're not, if she feels neglected, guess what? She's neglected. That's She's neglected. <laughs> so if the audience thinks YouTube is a podcast, it's a podcast. Because on the actual podcast side, Unless it's changed, the only app right now that supports video, I think, is Apple, like Stitcher, Overcast. Some of them will play the audio, but they won't show the video. But some of them just go, oh, it's a video file. Like Spotify, unless your last name is Rogan, doesn't do video as we record this. So that's a whole other thing. And we'll see. Because to me, the thing I love about podcasting Last today, tonight, I spent two and a half hours cleaning my kitchen 
and I was just listening to the podcast the whole time. Uh, when I'm in the grocery store, when I'm in the car, it's things I can do while I multitask. And if it's a video show that I got to watch, now you have to have my undivided attention because it's a cooking show and I want to see how you mince that meat or whatever you did. Okay, you got it. But I can only do that. And so that's, I think, the biggest advantage of audio versus video. And in many cases, you don't need the video. If it's just two people talking, unless people want to go, I want to see what that Dave guy looks like. But trust me, you're, you're not missing much. So uh, what are your thoughts? You know, it's interesting. I'm going to have our team cut a snippet of when you said uh, two, two uh, people just talking is boring. And we're going to make that a little video snippet just as it'll be highly engaging. Uh, but nonetheless, it's, I get asked this all the time and it's like, I'm pretty convinced uh, video is important. And I'll explain why. We started doing it just to measure more than anything. I'm like, are people actually going to watch the video? And uh, to my surprise, uh, surprise and delight, they do. They really, really do, um, which opened me up to this idea of like, how do we be different? So if I'm in this space of podcasting, which is incredibly saturated, there are so many podcasts on podcasting, it's like, what's the things I can start to do to stand out? It'll be different. And this was one of them from my perspective. The second thing is the snippets. So for us, being able to cut this content into shorter clips that we use on social media and YouTube is our best marketing channel. So we do a lot of uh, ads to grow our podcasts. We do a lot of marketing on social media to do our podcasts. And those clips are the winner. So I almost look at this and go, it's kind of for being a podcast, but it's actually for marketing material is where we get the wins. Well, and it goes back to my, my teaching days. You know, some people have to read it to learn it. Some people have to hear it to learn it. And some people have to write it to learn it. And if you think about it, you know, we're doing this right now on Zoom. So boom, the video's done. You can strip out the audio. That's done. And you're you're getting multiple pieces of content from, you know, the time it takes to record it. And all you had to do is buy some lighting and a dis decent camera and you're up to go. So that is actually, you know, a smart decision. You're getting the most bang for your buck for the time you're putting into the interview or whatever you're doing. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's not a bad idea. I'm one of those people that's determined not to wait three years. Um, <laughs> we'll go to extreme measures to shortcut. Um, and like yeah. that has been one of the advantages as well. But I do want to shift gears here because you've got something uh, very important coming out in September, uh, which is a new book. And I'm going to read out the title here. It's Profit from Your Podcast. You were very kind to send me um, an advanced copy, which I've been reading this week and digging through. And the first thing I'll say before I ask you a question is I, I feel like I know this space. I think if people would consider me a reasonable expertise on podcasting and I, I read this book with the idea of like, okay, I'm probably going to read a lot of things I know. Horrible attitude, I will add. And uh, <laughs> But nonetheless, I, that was my expectation. And I found myself reading this going, oh, no, I didn't think of it that way before. Or, or there was a story or example where I'm like, oh, I, I never would have thought of that. And it was a really, really unique and almost encyclopedic with examples perspective on monetization when it comes to podcasts and different ways you can monetize and leverage different things and how the pieces came together. And I'll probably reread it on the back of trying to cram it in before uh, we recorded this podcast. But I want to start this out by saying, why did you elect to go monetization? Why a book on monetization for podcasters? Ooh, 
Did I just leave you on a bit of a cliffhanger? I hope you've enjoyed this episode. This is part one of a part two episode. So this isn't the end. Don't worry. Don't worry. I promise we will go deep into this book and give you much better view and understanding on monetization. So I want to thank you for listening to part one. Part two of this episode will be out very soon. Make sure you subscribe so you get notified when the second part of this episode comes out and you can learn all about podcast monetization.